1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. So what is the better cartridge for elk? A 300 Winchester Magnum or a 270 WSM or a 257 Roberts? We've got some answers from a landowner who's had a lot of elk taken on his property, and he's got some interesting observations on this episode of Ron Spomer Outdoors podcast. Hello, everyone. We've gotten some nice comments from our fans here recently, and one of them was from a landowner on a big ranch who gets a lot of elk hunters on his property, and he sort of keeps track of what they've been doing. He's got some thoughts to share on suitable cartridges for elk hunting. Let us read a letter from Jake, who is one of our patrons on Patreon. Our topography is small mountains with maximum elevations of about 9,000 feet. The primary landscape is various species of sagebrush and poplars with a speck of evergreens throughout. Think high desert. Each year, the governing body's conservation agency provides depredation permits for both elk and mule deer. Over the years, more than 100 elk have been taken off our place, and I've witnessed most of the kills. The tools generally used are the more common calibers, such as 300 Win Mag, 7 Rem Mag, 30-06 Springfield. I've only seen a half dozen 270 Winchesters, three 338 Winchester Magnums, one 957 Mauser, one Savage 300, one 270 WSM, and one 257 Roberts. The farthest harvest I've seen was 615 yards. That huntress used a 300 Winchester Magnum with a loopholed fixed 6x42 scope. Yes, a good old fixed scope with a simple reticle, but she knew how to use it. In the end, each of these harvests was successful, and I've helped field-dress most of these animals. I haven't seen a lot of terminal difference between the calibers used. Some, yes, but not much. If the shot placement was in the vitals, the animal died quickly. (laughs) That's kind of what I've been saying for years now. I really appreciate this, Jake, and I think... Most of us can learn a lot from it. We just get so taken up with these ideas of going after elk with a bigger hammer, something we're going to just pound it with. And it just seems like the right bullet in the right place is always the right answer. And the other answer, of course, is it never hurts to have too much. It might hurt to have too little. But if you can't handle the too much, then it's not the best option. So, Take the big magnums, take the big 40 calibers if you can handle the recoil and place that bullet where it belongs. But don't be afraid to use a lighter recoiling rifle using bullets that will penetrate deeply, stand up to the mass of an elk, 
and punch the hole in the right place. The vital organs are always the key to this stuff. So thanks a lot for that, Jake. Now, there's one more I'd like to read to you uh, in reference to a 300 blackout I covered in a recent video. I compared the 300 blackout to the 3030, which a lot of people people took offense. Oh my goodness, how can you, how dare you compare these two? It's like I stepped on someone's grandmother or something. Um, but I got a lot of feedback and some of it, of course, you have to take into account. And these people have a lot more experience with a blackout than I've ever had. I've shot it a few times and haven't hunted with it. I was just using good ballistic data because I noticed that the ballistics are so close between those two, you can hardly tell which one you're shooting. So what this gentleman says is this, his name is Quattro Stig, and he said the 300 blackout will see little to no advantage when you go to a longer barrel than 16 inches. In fact, I saw effective zero velocity differences between going from a 12 inch to a 16 inch with 110 grain bullets. So that is the 300 blackouts bread and butter, short barrels and a low decibel level. So he is correcting me when in my video I suggested that the data I got for my muzzle velocity was from a 16-inch barrel, and you might get more with a longer barrel. But I should I should have thought of this, that cartridge is so small, there's such little powder capacity in it that you really don't need a long barrel to get a complete burn. So it sounds like somewhere between 12 and 16 inches is maximum, at least for the 110 grain bullets. Now, if you go to the 150 grain or even some of the heavier ones, you probably would get more velocity because you're going to use a slower burning powder and it would probably need a little more barrel length to get a complete burn. But that's just conjecture on my part. If somebody else can answer or fill us in on some better answers, we'd appreciate that as well. Okay, now we go to the questions that our team has pulled up for me. Most of these I assume I have never seen before, probably all of them, but every once in a while I'll catch something on YouTube in the comment section. But here's one from Darren. Darren says... My father is considering stepping down from a 300 wind mag to something a little more forgiving on the shoulder. <laughs> He's really considering a 308. What is your take on a 308 versus a 7mm 08 versus a 243 Winchester? Okay. Darren, I assume you're mostly talking deer hunting, pronghorn, whitetail, maybe feral hogs, maybe an elk. But if it's just deer, that size animal, 308 and 708, same difference. Anyone who's followed me for quite some time is, knows that I prefer the 708 Remington. I like to make fun of the 308 because it's so middle of the road. But it, it's really an inch in drop and wind deflection different from the 708. See, the thing is, the 308 Winchester is the case size. Necked it down to 28 four bullet size and then you have the seven millimeter 08 remington so you have the same powder supply driving your bullets well if you shoot 150 grain bullet in each of them the 150 grain bullet in the seven millimeter will have a higher ballistics coefficient it will drag less in the atmosphere so it is more aerodynamically efficient means it'll shoot flatter deflect less in the wind and retain more energy downrange, but it doesn't amount to enough that a deer is going to notice the difference or probably even a shooter because at 300 yards, you might be looking at an inch or not even an inch in the difference. But I like to pull those numbers up and make my argument for the 708 being the better option. 
because of minimally it is, but for hunting, what the hey, a lot of 308 lovers make a pretty darn good argument about the availability of factory ammunition in the 308. You can find dozens and dozens of loads with every kind of a bullet and there's so much competition in the market that usually the prices are pretty low. There's a lot of sales prices on them. Whereas the seven millimeter 08, sometimes you can't even find it, especially in today's market. Now I'm a hand loader, so I don't care. I'll load up whatever I want, but that's something you'll want to consider. So yes, 308 just fine, but pretty good chunk of recoil in that 308. It's driving those bullets only about a hundred feet per second, more slowly than a 30 out six. So you go from a 300 wind mag down to a 30 out six and you're knocking around 300 feet per second off of your velocity and quite a bit off of your recoil. But a lot of folks think the 30 out six is still a pretty hefty kicker. So drop down to the 308. Yeah, you might knock off three, four foot pounds of recoil energy, but you're still up there around 20, I'm going to guess. 20 foot pounds on a shoulder versus the 708 might be 18. But if you use the same weight bullet, it's going to be the same. 150 grain bullet in each of them, same powder supply, you've got the same recoil. But if you go to a lighter bullet in a 708, like 120 grain, that'll knock it down a fair amount. So there is that option. Now, the 243 Winchester is definitely the one I'd recommend for minimal recoil because it's down around 12 to 15 foot-pounds of energy, depending on the bullet you use. 100 grain bullet, but gosh, I've taken deer and pronghorn with no problem using 80 grain bullets, 85 grain bullets, even 75 grain bullets. It's just a matter of the right bullet in the right place and knowing that bullet's performance parameters. Do you want to slip it behind the shoulder because it's fairly frangible, gets into the heart and lungs and goes to pieces and really does some damage? Or do you want to go through the shoulder with a more solid partition style bullet or a bonded bullet? But the 243 Winchester could definitely do the job even out to 400 yards. I don't recommend it necessarily at 400, but to 300 yards, pretty much a piece of cake. So that's what I would go for if he really wants to tame that recoil. I think he will love it. But of course, you've got other options in recoil control. Thicker uh, or a softer recoil pad, mercury reducing tube in the buttstock, um, a suppressor or a brake. The brake is a noisy proposition, but boy, they really tame it down. Um, We're going to do a video here. We've got one in the works. We're still kind of fleshing it out. We're going to do a video on how to control recoil. And we're going to try to cover all of these different options for knocking down that felt recoil. So stay tuned for that too. But yeah, I would recommend the 243 if you're just hunting deer and pronghorn and that sort of thing. All right, that's a good one. Now, Jacob, Jacob is asking, how do you factor in wind and other natural elements when sighting in a rifle? Well, for sighting in at say 100 yards, it's not a huge deal unless the wind is really blowing. You know, if you've got, I will say a 15 mile an hour wind or more, you're looking at nudging that bullet an inch to maybe two inches off, depending on the ballistics coefficient of your bullet and the the wind direction. If it's a right angle wind that maximizes the effect, but if it's quartering either from or to or something, it's much less, but yeah, you want to be a little bit concerned. So ideally try to zero under calm conditions. And then in the hunting field, you really have to understand wind deflection, the clock, how it figures is that wind coming in at a 20 degree angle or a 45 degree angle or a 90 degree angle in which direction and all this kind of stuff. It takes a lot of study, but it's worth studying. 
Because the biggest challenge for hunting at distance, they say past 200 yards when it's really windy or 300 yards when it's just even a 10 mile an hour wind, you're going to be getting that bullet moving as much as a foot off target, depending again on the bullet's muzzle velocity and BC. Minimizing wind deflection is done by highest BC bullet at the highest velocity. That's the best you can do mechanically. After that, it's up to you to figure out the wind deflection and how it all works. So you're going to have to really study on that stuff. But that's a real art-science combination. Guys who really work the wind and study it learn how to compensate for it. And they're really remarkable in calling the wind. Hey, that's a seven-mile-an-hour wind, I can tell. Wow, that's pretty impressive. And then utilizing it with your ballistic tables. Takes a lot of study, a lot of work, but boy, once you get it handled, you you feel pretty confident. As a rule, I try not to shoot past 300 yards if the wind's blowing more than 10 miles an hour. And if it's 15 to 20 miles an hour, I'm going to try to stay inside of 200 yards. I'd just rather sneak closer. And all that noisy wind usually lets me, so why not? It's more fun sneaking up anyway. But yeah. The wind is definitely something to consider and uh, study and figure it out. Now, other natural elements, not for sighting in. 100 yards is not going to make a difference if your altitude is sea level or 10,000 feet or if it's uh, high humidity or not. But it can make a difference on longer range shots. So, yeah, if you're zeroing, say, at sea level and it's... 100 degrees out, and then you go hunting at 10,000 feet and it's 10 below, there's going to be a significant difference in your trajectories. You just have to re-zero into those conditions. So do a little bit of studying and understand what happens to your trajectory curve under colder temperatures and, and lighter pressures. It's the atmospheric pressure that's creating the drag on your bullet, and that's what's really going on with all of this, all these differences. And again, that's going to require a lot of study. All right. Good question, Jacob. Yeah. If you want to really get into that stuff, you're going to have to do your research and study it and play around with it, but it's worth knowing. Hey guys, we've got something new on the RSO store. It's my old predator hunting book, predator hunting techniques that work from east to west or something wonderful like that. (laughs) It's really a pretty informative book. I wrote it quite a few years ago and I found a stack in the garage. So we've got about 85 copies. If you'd like an autographed copy, I'm going to sign it, stick it in the mail myself and send it to you. If you'd like to buy one, go to the RSO store and look for my predator hunting book. I've got techniques and tactics in there for every sort of fur bearer in North America, from foxes and coyotes and bobcats to cougars and bears and lots of exciting stories and lots of information on cartridges and what they do and what I recommend for these predators. So check it out in the link below. Josh's question, could I purchase a 300 PRC rifle and make light loads for small game? Will I run into any problems loading a light for caliber bullet and using a smaller cartridge? That doesn't make any sense. I think he means using a smaller powder charge in his cartridge to produce results similar to a 223. Yeah, you're onto something here, Josh. Some people call them squib loads, but that's not quite right term. It's low pressure loads or low power loads, underpowered loads. The spear hand loading manual used to, and I think it still does, include some light load recipes for just this thing. Back in the day, a lot of guys used to load down their 30-06s or their 270s, pretty much any cartridge, to get, I would say, 1,500 feet per second. And then a lot of them would also load a pretty light bullet. 
you know, 30, you're 300 there. You could get down as light as a hundred grain bullet. Hornady has some round nose plinkers that are pretty good for small game stuff. The problem though, with a large volume case like the 300 PRC is that you've got too much dead space in there for a light powder charge. One of the problems with powder, light powder charges is because they don't fill that entire case. I wish I had a case here. Well, here I could pop open one of these Fiocchi's new ammo that just came in. Here's an empty case of a 6.5 Creedmoor. And this one shouldn't be a huge problem. Well, if I could get the case out. My gosh, they got glue in there or what? Oh my goodness. That's crazy. So I won't do that. Never seen anything like it. They must have glued them in. Maybe it's a prank. <laughs> At any rate, if you've got a big volume case and you put a little bit of powder in it, you've got all this airspace. If you hold the rifle straight up, all the powder sits on top of the primer. Should work pretty well. But if you shoot it level, the powder shifts down until half of that primer flame can shoot over the top of the powder. And then you can get a double flash, kind of a flame goes over the top of the powder some of it ignites and it starts to expand and then you get a double ignition thing going on i don't understand exactly what happens but there have been some literal explosions that tore guns apart so you have to be really careful when you're going with light loads i always put some filler over the top of the powder to keep that from shifting around back in the day we used kpok but just some kind of a light fibrous filler and again, those hand-loading manuals will give you instructions on how to make these light loads. But it is possible. I used to get my 30 out 6 down around 1,500 feet per second, 110 grain bullet, 100 grain bullet, somewhere in there. And then I would shoot blue grouse and rough grouse up in the woods. It was legal in some Rocky Mountain states. So when you're out elk hunting and you want some camp meat instead of a great big boom and you're blowing your ears out and everything else, um, you just shoot the heads off of them with a light load. Or pick up a cottontail or a snowshoe hare or something. So it it is doable, but with a 300 PRC, I'm a little bit leery on that one. You're going to want to do a lot of research and find out if anyone has tried that. Just a little too much volume there. Okay, Dwight has a question. Help, help. He's, he's looking for help. I have a 30-year-old Winchester featherweight in 30-06 in a Clifton composite stock. Love this rifle, but it's been an abusive relationship. Uh-oh, might need a lawyer. The first shot from a cold barrel is right on. That's what you want. But subsequent shots from a warm hot barrel are an inch and a half to the right. The barrel is free floated and I have torqued every screw on the rifle. I have to admit, this has not prevented me from taking a lot of game with this rifle, but it drives me crazy. This would be a sub MOA rifle if the shots didn't shift to the right. Is there anything I can do to try to fix this? All right. Maybe, maybe. Now, you've already tried the floating barrel idea. Which I was going to go there right away. I figured your stock was touching the warmer barrel on one side, pushing your shot. But if it's truly free floating, that shouldn't be your problem. Another potential is that torquing of the bedding screws that you mentioned. You may be over torquing. You shouldn't over torque or you shouldn't be able really to over torque the front screw, the one by the recoil lug. Tighten that baby down, but loosen the tang screw. Quite often, if you really tighten down that tang screw, you can put some bend in the action if the bedding surfaces in the stock aren't perfectly level with one another. And you get a little bit of torque in the action itself. So the bolt face and the cartridge are not quite squared up. So you might want to play around with taking the pressure off of that screw. Now, if you've already done this, yeah, you're looking at potentially a barrel that's got stresses into it. 
you need cryo treatment on that barrel to relieve those inherent stresses. When you've got that kind of a barrel and it heats up, that's when you start to see the shifting coming on. If it's consistent at 1.5 inches and you're getting all your game with your first shot, as you said, you've been doing this for a long time and it's worked out well. Yeah, you really don't have a problem other than you just want to know it's going to be consistent with a worm barrel as well. So you can try any, any number of things. Maybe there are some gunsmiths out there who have a solution for this. I certainly don't. But if anyone out there does, write in, put in your letter here when you respond in the comment section, put down um, a, a correction or a solution so I can we can find that when the team looks for these, they'll say, oh, a well, correction. We like to read those. And then we will report on what you're coming up with. But that's the best I can do. You're going to have to either live with it or figure that thing out with the torque screws or cryo treating that barrel. You might be easier to just buy a new barrel. Yeah, sounds like a fun rifle for that first shot, though. All right, this is from Paul. Hi, Ron, I'm a Patreon member. Hey, Paul, thanks. Really appreciate all of our patrons. I'm a Patreon member, and I love your YouTube channel and your RSO TV channel. I'm a lifelong resident of Minnesota, and I hunt mostly in the southern half of the state for waterfowl, pheasants, and whitetails with a shotgun. But I'm not experienced in centerfire rifles. I'm considering varmint hunting this fall and winter in southern and western Minnesota, so I'd like some advice on what calibers I should consider for an all-round varmint gun. We're looking fox, coyote, groundhog, etc., I know there are a variety of calibers that are suitable, but I'm looking for that sweet spot for a 70 to 150 yard gun. Well, that makes it pretty easy. And one that doesn't destroy pelts, but it's terminally effective. You're on the right track here, partner. What four or five calibers should I consider? I'm interested in exploring hand loading too. So while ammo availability is a concern, I would also be interested in any cartridge that may not be readily available at the local gun shop. Okay, good. So you're looking at light, small calibers, 22. You could go up to 25 for long range shooting on coyotes, but 25 out six, you're going to damage pelts. 243, six millimeter, six mm Creedmoor, you're going to be damaging pelts. Is not too bad there, but boy, on Fox especially, you really need to step down. So I would start with the 22s. I've always liked the 22250 the best for coyotes, little bit too much power for foxes. My solution was to use the Hornady SX bullet, which was super explosive, extremely thin jacket. A soft lead, pure lead core, and it would come apart inside the animal, do a lot of damage, drop them right there, and wouldn't come out and tear up the pelt. Unless I hit a little bit high right on the edges and it could. I had pretty good luck with that, but you had to load those down in velocity so you didn't tear them up with the rifling when you shot. 3,200 or so feet per second, I think, was the limit. I don't know if they even make that bullet anymore. But the basic idea is still there with your light, frangible varmint bullets. Get a light bullet with a thin skin, uh, say it's some of the ballistic tips from Nosler or the uh, VMAX from Hornady, those kinds of bullets. Um, and look for one that's going to break up in the animal at high velocity. That should work to really be saving those pelts. So I think you want to step down from the 223s and a 22-250s to a 20 caliber like the 204 Ruger. That's a good one. 32 grain bullet, real light and frangible like that. Goes in, stays in, beautiful. Maybe the 17s. 
And at 150 yards max, I think that 17 Remington should work very well for you. I've heard some of my friends tried the 17 Fireball, which I thought would be really optimum for saving pelts. Yeah, a little bit of trouble with the terminal effect on that one. You had to have a perfect shot behind your shoulder or in the neck or something on those. So, But it's worth looking into because those tiny little 17 caliber bullets are definitely going to stay in, I would think. Um, I don't think I've ever shot a coyote with one. But for a fox, thin-skinned they are, oh, man, you really want something that, that is light. Now, the... Um, the other thing some guys do is they use a full metal jacket and a bigger caliber, like a 300 Winchester Magnum. You just punch a hole right through them and then you blood trail them and you don't tear up the pelt, really. Um, I don't know, though, about full metal jackets. They're not legal in a lot of states. So you might want to go with a controlled expansion bullet, like, say, a Swift A-frame or one of the bonded bullets or something. But I have my doubts on that one. I would stick with the lighter calibers. They're more fun to shoot anyway. And you're only going out to 150 yards. You should do well. Even a 223 might work out pretty well for you. But my vote's going to go 204 Ruger and one of the 17s. That would be a lot of fun. All right, BP asks, I bruised my shoulder yesterday shooting the 300 wind mag. Imagine that. <laughs> I normally don't get bruised, but I believe I held the stock too far out of my neck. And it got me a couple of times. Can you go over the best way to contain the stock so that it won't happen? I've done it before correctly, but I must have slipped up my technique. Thanks in advance. Oh, you're most welcome, BP. So here's the deal. You need to make a pocket that's sort of between your shoulder, this little round muscle right here on your shoulder, and inside of your chest, this inside the chest area right here, the pec. You want your uh, buttstock to be against your pec, just nudging up against your shoulder, not right on the tip of your shoulder, and certainly not out on the bicep. I've put it out there a few times when I was in a hurry and in a bad position. <laughs> Next thing you know, the shot goes off and I'm out here on my bicep. That's going to hurt. So yeah, make a pocket. I find that I can make a better pocket having my elbow up. I know a lot of the AR shooters now are learning to shoot all crunched in like this because it locks things in and they're steadier. That's fine with a 223 or a light kicking cartridge like that. But you start shooting 30 out sixes and whatnot, could be a little problematic. So I like to lift this elbow up and make a high pocket. It gives me more surface area to bring that buttstock into. It also lifts the comb up, comb up to my face so I'm not scrunching over. And there's no chance that I'm going to get scope bit from high recoil. So you might want to try that too. I just sort of trained myself to do that over the years. I would stand erect, lift that rifle, lift that elbow, and bring the rifle to my face rather than keeping the rifle low and crouching into it. Works for me, might work for you, but that should do the job. All right. Matt asks, what would you choose, the 450 Bushmaster or the 350 Legend in an AR platform? Well, Matt, that depends on what I wanted that thing to do. Shoot a target or shoot a grizzly bear or shoot a whitetail. I assume you mean hunting whitetail. Most people use those for whitetail hunting in some of the eastern states where straight walled cartridges are required. Um, I would probably go with a 350 Legend. I really don't think you need a 450 Bushmaster. Certainly nothing wrong with it. You've got that bigger bigger hole. A lot of people like that. I think the bullet gets inside and does a lot of damage, whether it's a big initial hole or not, you get a lot of expansion. But neither one of these are exactly powerhouses. So they're not driving bullets at wild velocities are going to cause a lot of damage. But I'm hearing wonderful reports on the effectiveness of the 350 Legend. And then you're going to have less recoil if you're at all concerned about that. Um, but do know that neither one of those have what you would call really high sectional density in their bullets. 
450 Bushmaster with a, what have they got, 300 grain bullets, 250 grain bullets down to maybe 200 grain, you're getting a pretty short bullet. In for a high sectional density, you want a long bullet with a lot of shank, and that keeps more mass behind the surface frontal area to continue driving deep. In the 350 Legend, they got a 150 grain bullet in there. That doesn't have much for SD either. In a 35, you'd rather be up around 200 grains. So I would use the heavier bullets in the 350 Legend for better penetration. And you're not going to shoot as flat that way, but you're going to have more punch. And most of the 350 stuff, uh, I think, is done inside of 100 yards. It's pretty similar to working with, a say, a 30-30 in the woods hunting. So that would be my pick. I don't mind shooting the 450 Bushmaster, but I really don't see any advantage is to it. Um, unless you were thinking you needed to put a bigger hole on something like the chest of a black bear or something. But for whitetails, I'd go with the 350 Legend. Hey, that looks like all the questions today. So I want to thank you guys for sending those in. Uh, special thanks to Jake. Really appreciate all of our patrons and when you guys have good answers like that. See, the cool thing about Jake's answer is that he's unbiased. He's just observing other hunters on his ranch and noting, hey, I don't have a dog in this fight. And I noticed that that 257 Roberts killed just about as cleanly and quickly as the 300 Magnum. So what the hey, what's all the noise about? It all comes down to the right bullet in the right place, folks. So choose a Choose a rifle and a bullet that you can shoot well. Precision shooting is the name of the game. Say, uh, send in any comments and corrections especially and put on there, correction. Hey, Ron, you screwed up last time and here's the real answer. I always appreciate those. And especially anybody out there who's got a solution for this cold barrel going to hot barrel and shooting off an inch and a half for this gentleman. Boy, we'd like some solutions for that one too. So send them in. We'll read them next time on Ron Spomer Outdoors Podcasts. Hunt honest and shoot straight. search for the one they call king but who will take his throne tune in to waypoint tv's battle for silver saturday may 18th from 12 to 6 p.m eastern presented by abyss battery waypoint tv don't miss mondays with into the blue brought to you by academy sports and outdoors every monday night from 7 to 10 p.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment